just when you thought it was over. Another battle begins. Just when you conquered Jericho, you discover Achan and sin. Just when you fought off your enemy, you're pulled down by your own men. You cry out to God, I'll keep fighting, but I don't believe I can win. I am so glad that God fights the battle. I am so glad the victory is his. Cause whether I die when well, I am still fighting, or whether I finally win, every trial will just make me stronger. Every affliction will help me to see that I can do nothing here without my Savior. And he uses sinners like me. Joshua was scared to take over and lead Israel into the land. David was running away from the king and hid in the woods with his men. Still God would give them an answer each time that they knelt down to pray. God, would you give us this battle or should we just so glad that God fights the battle, and I am so glad the victory is his, cause whether I die when I am still fighting, or whether I finally win, every trial will just make me stronger, every affliction will help me to see that I can do nothing here without my Savior. Fighting is not always easy, and sometimes you feel all alone. But if you are doing your duty and serving the way you've been shown, with no guarantee of an answer, yet fully surrender in all, you'll find peace beyond understanding and courage and strength. I am so glad that God fights the battle. I am so glad the victory is his. Cause whether I die when I am still fighting, or whether I finally win, every trial will just make me stronger. Every affliction will help me to see that I can do nothing here without my Savior. Things like me. Every trial will just make me stronger. Every affliction will help me to see that I can do nothing here without my Savior. And He uses sinners like me. Now, first time I ever heard that song, I only heard one other person sing that. But that was the gal that wrote it. And her name was Naomi Pena. And her dad's a pastor in La Puente, California. And she came to a meeting I was preaching at, wrote that song earlier that month, and came in and uh, debuted it at the meeting. Now, that's a 24-year-old girl that loves God and has a relationship with her Bible because that's scriptural. Amen. Amen.
And I asked her if we could uh, get the words and try to learn it and try to use it to be a blessing to other people. And, of course, she said yes. And she's absolutely the only person I ever asked permission to use her music, but I did with Naomi. Amen. <laughs> That's a good deal, man. I'm glad there's young people still selling out and uh, loving the Lord, loving their Bible, and making a difference. Yeah. Amen. All right. I don't know why you guys leave stuff laying around. Okay, I don't want to read that. You're right. <laughs> All right, take your Bible tonight and go to uh, Micah. Micah. Now, if you have a, uh, a Cambridge Bible, that's on page 1156 in the Old Testament. And I can't help you other than that. Amen. Amen. Micah. Micah. Where's Micah? Micah's between uh, uh, Jonah and uh, I don't even know. I got to look. And Habakkuk and Nahum. That's where Micah's at. Amen. And so let's, uh, let's read verses uh, 6 and 7, Micah chapter 6 and verse 6. The Bible says this, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body, uh, for the sin of my soul. Uh, the prophet is beseeching uh, the Lord about what can be done by way of sacrifice to please the Lord. I, I, I get a bit of a hint of sarcasm in, in, the, in what he's saying. But uh, sarcasm, I mean sarcasm, sacrifice is, is a religious way to atone for people's misdeeds. And these are the things that are on there, things that come to mind that people have uh, been known to do or willing to do. Amen. And they're all temporary. It's like going to confession. People are looking for a temporary relief so that they can do it again and get it right again and confess it again and go do it again. That's the epitome of religion. And let me say, at 1 Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, At the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Uh, to hearken, uh, better than the fat of rams. He isn't interested in you doing anything to clear yourself. What he's interested in is, will you do it his way? It said in Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'm humbled, Lord, by the number of people that have uh, come in tonight, Lord God, the many comments made prior that they were looking forward to hearing from you. I pray, God, they not be disappointed. pray, God, you'd give me clarity of thought and the ability to be led of the Spirit of God and say what you'd have said to be a blessing to your people. And, Father, like Brother Sean prayed, there are needs in this room, many, and you're capable of meeting them. But my burden, Lord God, is to that person in here tonight that does not know on the authority of the Word of God that if they were to die tonight, they'd end up in the right place. 
and it's the easiest thing there is to fix. Father, I pray that there's somebody in here tonight that's not saved, that they'd get saved. And Father, pray you'd help me preach and minister to your people as well. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Now, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Now, I was reading through it a little while back, and uh, some things jumped out of this passage. And it says, uh, Yeah, show thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. All right? That's what the Lord requires. Listen, how many of you now, you know, in a crowd this big, some of you might have been, around long enough, but when I was a kid, you know, back, you know, when they had oxen pulling the school bus, not really, we had a thing, we had a thing in public school called show and tell, how many remember show and tell time, oh good, almost everybody, that's good, a lot of people anyway, I ran it by James, I figure if he remembered it, you know, most people would, he did admit it was his absolute favorite part of school, amen. Show and tell. Well, we look at some things here, and, it, and, and the Lord's going We're having a little show and tell time here tonight. The uh, first thing is, is this, and uh, it says that verse began with these words, He hath showed thee, O man. And let me just say to you tonight, there's nothing better than have God show you something. Amen. Amen. I mean, we're thirsting for information all the time and Googling and all kinds of stuff all the time, and there's a lot of information out there, too much, amen, and you don't know if it's true or not, better be careful, amen, but there's a place you can go for information that you can trust, amen, of course, he gave us the book, but you got a direct line, you got direct, are you saved, you got direct access to God yourself, and I'll tell you something, God will show you some things, and nothing better than that, now, whether what he shows you is good or bad doesn't really matter. Because either way, it means he's communicating with you. That's a good thing. Uh, when he stops communicating, that's a bad thing. Amen. Uh, so if what he shows you is good, praise the Lord. It says in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hey, nothing like seeing God answer prayer and do great and mighty things. I've done that. I've done that. I've called on God. I've, I've called on him and asked. I've seen him do something. I wonder why uh, uh, I don't do that as often as I did when I was a young Christian. You know, the cares of this life are very real, my friends. Yeah. Amen. But if he shows you something great and mighty, what that does is just remind you that, uh, that he's God. And he does what no one else can do. I just came out of Fairbanks, Alaska, drove down to Anchorage. Down, I went both ways around Denali. And I, I drive around there, and I just, my wife and I both, amazing we didn't run into something. Because uh, all that just declares the, the, the glory of God in a big way. I got news for you. I just came across uh, Kansas, like where your pastor lives. I just came across, it's a running joke, but I won't go into it more than that. And uh, I get here to Aurora, and this morning I had to go do something, and I'm at a campground around here, and them mountains, man, and it's like, wow, it almost took me by surprise, because we don't have it like that in Ohio. 
I'll find. I got no problem. I've been in all 50 states. I, I find God's beauty in all of them. I really do. Amen. But uh, great and mighty things are all around. But you got to wake up. you got to look up. And if God shows you something that's good, uh, that's, uh, that's a really good thing. But if he shows you something bad, I mean, you want him to show you if there's something in your life that needs spiritual attention. You want that, don't you? I mean, it's easier to say than it is to really mean it. Amen. And he knows whether you really mean it. But if God shows you something going on that's not good, that's good. Because he does that so you can repent of it and get it right. With, how awkward do you think it was with uh, David and Nathan in 2 Samuel 12? And, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. And David had choice what to do with that thing. And he did the right thing. Amen. Uh, he got that thing right. And uh, God shows you. He says, he has showed thee, oh man, it. That's the beauty of the Bible. We have the Bible. I don't just have a Bible. The pastor doesn't have a Bible. you got a Bible. Everybody in here has got a Bible. Amen. God wants to speak to you through the Bible. And he'll show you things. We're talking about show and tell time. We're talking about God showing you things. And he'll show you things through the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, the older I get, <clears throat> the more light I need. It's just how it is at home. I'm turning on lights. You know, we live in a motor home. You know, we go out and we don't. We get out in the sun and it's like, oh my goodness, we can't, can't see because it's dark. Amen. I was in a church in uh, I was in a church in uh, Florida one night a couple years ago, and uh, there's a big storm sweeping through. And as soon as we got in the pulpit, we did the congregationals, we did the praying. I got in the pulpit, I called out the text, and as soon as I read the text, boom, the whole town went dark. The town went dark, a transformer blew, it was a small town, and, uh, and uh, the lights went out. And buddy, I'll tell you what, because I need light, I pulled out my trusty little flashlight and preached for an hour and ten minutes. And I would have went longer, but the battery, no, not really. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I got a flashlight to wear with my suit. I got a flashlight to wear when I'm riding my motorcycle. I need light. Amen. I'll tell you what, I was at Brother Walker's church, and as soon as, soon as I gave the invitation, that altar filled up, and them lights came on, and the altar was full. It was an amazing thing. Amen. So the older I get, the more light uh, I need, but... What I find out is the older I get spiritually, the more important good lighting is. And I'm glad that I have a word of God that's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. He'll show you things through the word of God. It's important to have a relationship with the word of God. That's an understatement around here. But he shows you by the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 26 says this. Go ahead and turn there. Because you're just staring at me, so I can, I can, fix, I can fix that. <laughs> Man, I looked over and your pastor had that gizmo like he's landing a jet fighter. I said, man, between glasses and hearing aids, that is not going to work. 
That's not really what I said, but that was very gracious, wasn't it? Okay, good, good. So he'll show you things by the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26. I mean, we love John 14, 1, 2. He'll go to prepare a place. He's the way to do it. Well, this is John 14. It says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Buddy, that's a big deal right there. How many of you ever been in a situation where you're able to quote a verse, uh, maybe in the course of talking to somebody, witnessing, and have said later, I didn't even know I knew that verse. Uh, that's happened to me a lot. Amen? And that's the way it is. Uh, you know, it's, uh, my memory's getting worse, but the Holy Spirit's not affected. So get the Holy Spirit in. And we're, i, I got to say this, Pastor, because when I said something about his gizmo, he said something about Brittany. And I had absolutely no idea who that was. So now, I think he was trying to trick me, but it didn't work. He showed, hey, he shows you things. He shows you things through the preacher. Yeah. All right. First, that always goes over well. I don't care. First Corinthians 11. I ain't talking about me neither. First Corinthians 11 and verse number one. Here's what Paul said. Be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Now, that's key to the thing right there. We're following Jesus Christ, but he puts men in uh, positions, uh, give us somebody to follow. And let me just say this, I'll move on, but if your preacher's following Christ, it might be a good idea for you not to give him a lot of trouble. might be a good idea for you to follow him. God hates rebellion. God hates discord. It ain't cool. All right? It might be cool generationally at some point. It ain't cool in God's economy. It's a sign of, it's the, uh, uh, as the sin of witchcraft. All right? Now, tell you something else. He shows you things. We're talking about God showing you things, and it shows you things to the people of God. And that's something you can't get. There's something you can get tonight, and Lord willing, if you come back, that you can't get off the Internet. You can't get off live streaming. Amen. And, uh, and uh, live streaming church, when you could have been there, is like going through McDonald's drive-thru when you could go out to the chili cook-off at the uh, Dominguez Ranch, you know, wherever it is we're going. You follow me, though? I mean, the one might sustain you for a while, but, you know, make sure you got a lot of Charmin or something. But uh, <laughs> I don't know where it is. He brings out the best to me, I'll tell you that. Amen. But God will show you things. We need each other. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. Amen. Oh, wow. I finally got a response. I'm making a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Amen. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I've sharpened a few things, like knives, hatchets, things like that. And you know what? Of course, it's sharpening something. We're talking about iron, so it's metal. That creates friction, produces heat. We don't like heat. That's why, that's why the big movement that's taken the land is group hugs and kumbaya. But that isn't Bible Christianity, because Bible Christianity says iron sharpeneth iron. We're to provoke one another unto love and unto good works. It says in uh, Proverbs 27 and verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 
the wounds of a, of a friend. You know, you've heard it said the truth hurts sometimes. The truth hurts. But if the truth is, is given for, with the right motive to help, uh, you better think about it. Uh, most people just want to be around people that will tell them what they want to hear. And that's what he's talking about, the, the kisses of an enemy. Let me tell you something, man. I knew the flags went off. If I got around people on the street 30 years ago that told me what I wanted to hear, I knew they wanted something. And I've been saved now a little while, and nothing's changed. <laughs> Amen. And uh, you better be scared when people start telling you. I want to be around people. Bible said in John 8, the truth shall make you free. I like freedom. Amen. I want to know the truth. So, uh, amen. He'll show you some things. And uh, here's what he'll show you. The verse goes on. The verse goes on and says, uh, He has showed the old man what is good. That's what he'll show you. He has showed the old man what is good. The Lord likes it when you do good. You hear me? He likes it when you do good. The Lord likes it. It says in uh, Hebrews 13 and 16, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, the Lord is well pleased. Sacrifice, God is well pleased. That's what he said. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 3 about the Lord Jesus Christ when he got, when he got uh, baptized by John uh, and a dove descended. And the Lord said, this is my beloved son, the one that he gave, amen, and, and he, in whom I am well pleased. And I get reading over there and it that that. To do good and to communicate, forget not, for such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I mean, you can be right there in the category along with what he said about Jesus Christ. But you got to do good. Now, our problem is we got a sin nature and we may not all the time. I know me anyway. I want to. I try to. But the flesh wins sometimes. I'm not asked for a show of hands because if anybody didn't put their hand up, they'd be a liar. It says in Romans 7 and 21, uh, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Anybody else experience that? That's the Apostle Paul after 30 years in the ministry. And he was honest with himself. Amen. And uh, I'm glad the Lord uh, knows our scenario, knows our situation. It says in Proverbs 24 and 16, for a just man falleth seven times. Uh, but then, but, and riseth up again. And yeah, that's good. That's also Old Testament under the law. I think under grace, it's like a just man falleth 700 times, I feel like sometimes. But how do you rise up again? You know, sometimes you'll catch people, you'll talk to people, and they're burdened down by some sin or some mistake they made, and, you know, they're not trying to get victory. It's not as hard uh, as you think. When you mess up, you ready? This is really profound. I'm going to use some of y'all's lingo. I'm not on the cutting edge of when you mess up, own it. I like that. Because uh, in this victim age, nobody's taking responsibility without giving an excuse and blaming somebody else. And there's no help to be God. Unless you're willing to face the music and it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. And you get back up and get back in the fight. Amen. David said it like this, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Amen. All right, so uh, if you're saved in here, we're talking about 
doing good. If you're sitting there, you have a responsibility to do good. It's not even an option. It's not a choice. Uh, it's a responsibility. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Amen. And, uh, and uh, so not only should you do good, it's a sin if you don't. He says, He has showed thee, O man, uh, what is good. And then the verse comes down and says, What doth the Lord require of thee? Well, we don't like that. You know why? Because people don't like to be required of anything. People don't like being told what to do. I still marvel at Adam and Eve with no sin nature. You know, kind of, you know, bowing up when they're told not to, not to do this, not to eat of this one tree. Eve, anyway. Amen. And uh, I've been wondering, wondering about that and worried about that. And she didn't even have a sin nature. But I'll tell you what she did have. She had a free will. She had a free will before the fall, just like you do. And we have a free will, and that means we want to vote in what we do. We want it to be up to us. And I'll tell you what, the devil loves that. Because <laughs> they will, hey, man, check this out. And look at this. And we're going, yeah, yeah. And I want to vote in this. And uh, sometimes we have, sometimes more than more than uh, 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 more than not, sometimes we uh, we make the wrong choice. And uh, Bible says Romans. Uh, go to Luke chapter twelve. Luke chapter twelve. Luke chapter twelve and verse uh, forty-eight. Familiar passage for for unto whomsoever much is given. Of him shall much be required. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ said that, and I get all that where and when, but are you saved in here tonight? You've been given much, haven't you? I mean, you got eternal life instead of eternal death. I mean, why do we need to go any farther than that right there? You've been given much, and therefore, uh, you, uh, much is, uh, should be required of you. And with all that true, and we can acknowledge that, even Christians hate being told what to do. Yeah, the proof. That's why kids buck their parents. That's why wives buck their husbands. That's why husbands buck the pastor. And it goes on and on and on. Why should it be that way? Because at the end of the day, that free, that free will, that old nature, of course, we have a sin nature along with it. And uh, we just don't want to be told what to do. I'm here to tell you, the Lord has the right to require some things of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you are bought with a price. You're bought with a price. And according to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that price was the blood of God. That looks to me like he's got a right to require some things. Amen. And truth be known, he doesn't require that much. Amen. But still, just something about it. Something about it. And we get in trouble because we don't want to submit. Amen. So it uh, reminds me of show and tell time. You know, first, uh, Brother James had to, had to brief me. And it was amazing how in such detail he remembered how it all went. And, uh, of course, he's a little younger than me. And, uh, but somebody would bring in something and show it. And then tell about it, right? That's pretty deep. Amen. I am getting old. I don't remember that. Amen. 
<laughs> I'll tell you something. That's what God's doing right here. He shows us some things, and then he tells us what to do with it. Amen. And he shows us what is good and what is required of us, and then here's what we're to do with it. He says to love, to do justly. Verse 8, continue from where we were, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God, to do justly. Just means fair all the time, every time, without regard uh, to preference, partiality, things like that. Proverbs 24 and verse 23 says, These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. We're to be just. Just means morally upright. We're to add to our faith. You're saved by grace through faith, but you're to add to your faith. And the first thing you add on that list is moral, well, is virtue, which means moral goodness. Amen. Just means morally upright. Amen. Uh, things got to change if you're ever going to do anything for God. If you're ever going to get to God, thank God he doesn't give you a long list of things you got to uh, get right on before he saves you. He just wants you to be honest with him. But I'll tell you what, you can be stuck right there all the way to the last breath. And uh, But God shows us things, and God's given us a book, and he wants us to mature, and he wants us to get victory. And maybe his motives are selfish, because at the end of the day, God wants to use you and I to bring others to the saving knowledge of his son. So that's his motive, and he's not secretive about it. Just. It said to do justly, to just. Just means honest. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 21, providing for things honest, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of, the, of men. Yes. Amen. No situational ethics, nothing like that. You need to understand, you need to mark it down, that you're to do right. Yeah. Amen. Especially to them of the household of faith, but not exclusively to all men. Just mark that down. Amen. That's what God would require of his children. Again, let me emphasize, he's got a right to expect that, doesn't he? Amen. All right. And so as we do Acts chapter 6, you know, we got the, those deacons were chosen there, those men. And, uh, and uh, the first qualification of those seven men, the first one was honest report. You know what that is? That is a, it's not a reference to their education, to their service, to what they've done or might do or could do. Honest report is a reference to their personal testimony. Amen. Amen. That's all there is to it. Let me ask you something tonight. How's your testimony? Amen. <laughs> if you're ever going to do anything for the Lord, you're going to have to be of honest report. Just. He said to do justly. Just means righteous, which presents a problem, doesn't it? Isaiah 64 and 6 says, For we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses as are, are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The only shot we have at righteousness is through the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's him. He didn't just die. He did but he didn't just die for your sins. He became sin. 
You can't grasp that. I can't grasp that. Dying for my sins, I mean, wow, what a thing. I wish he wouldn't have had to. But he was a sinless man. To become sin, you and I, we're sinners by nature. We, don't even, we can't even comprehend what that was like for him. Amen? Um, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Outside of his righteousness, we got no shot at being just. But because of that, it said that to do justly. We're not talking about what the Lord would require. And it says uh, to, to do justly, to love mercy. To love mercy. First thing that comes to mind is, if you ever need it, you'll love getting it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mercy has been defined as not getting what you deserve. And uh, I got no problem with that. Uh, James 2 and 13 sir, says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. I was told early on as a preacher to learn to judge mercifully and to forgive easily. Because when your day comes, that's the way you're going to want it. You, you think you need to make people grovel for your forgiveness? Be prepared. Because your day is going to come that way too. Not me, man. I got thinking about mercy, and uh, mercy is like money. Yeah, follow me on this. Mercy is like money. We like getting it a whole lot more than we like giving it. I know that's pretty deep. I'm kind of proud of myself. The Bible says, uh, for the love of money, 1 Timothy 6, 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Evil. The devil wants you to love money. Amen. Uh, the Lord requires you to love mercy. What day is it, Wednesday? Which one do you love? Amen. Money or mercy? Everyone wants mercy when it's judgment time. Amen. I remember a story early on. I hadn't been saved very long, and a, and a preacher gave his illustration. A couple guys robbed the bank, got caught, and one of them was an old three-time loser, and he was going down for 20-plus. And the other was a 19, 20-year-old kid that, uh, you know, got uh, you know, the promise of big bucks and went along, and they got busted. And, and the older convict, when the judge said 20 years, he just hung his head and went out. But that kid, man, that young man started crying and, and said, Lord, please, please, or not Lord, judge, please have mercy. And I can't do 20 years. And the judge looked down at him and said, well, just do all you can, son. Just do all you can. He asked for mercy, but he didn't get it. Do you want me to do that one again? Because I think it like you're yeah. waiting for something didn't happen, I think. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're going to cross that one out. <laughs> In case we ever get to preach again. Amen. Thank God mercy is available. The Bible says, let, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find a grace, find grace in time, uh, grace to help in time of need. Now, let me just say, we like getting mercy, but there's a big difference between wanting mercy, liking mercy, and loving mercy. And let me put it to you like this. Uh, take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and uh, let me say it again. Everybody loves getting mercy, but everybody isn't merciful. Matthew 18, and verse, uh, let me go there, 23, I believe. Uh, 
chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Sound familiar? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him that owed him 10,000 talents. But uh, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And verse 27 says, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Boy, that guy got some mercy, didn't he? You know how much, uh, you know how much ten thousand talents was in that economy at that time. As best I could figure, is that at the low end, ten million dollars. Amen. Don't be googling that while I'm preaching. <laughs> but if it's way off, come to p privately. Amen. <laughs> ten million dollars. But the same. Yeah, I didn't think they had credit cards back then. Verse 28, but the same servant, the same one that had been forgiven, the same one that got in on all that mercy, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, <laughs> saying, pay me that thou owest. A uh, hundred pence is about $16. The contrast is unescapable. Could you imagine a person being forgiven that much and then doing that? That's, a, that's in there for a reason, beloved. Amen. That guy loved getting mercy, but he didn't love mercy because he didn't show mercy. You can say whatever you want. Oh, I love mercy. But the rubber meets the road by whether or not you show it. It ought to be easy. It ought to be real easy. It ought to be easier than it is for folks like you and me to show mercy, to have a forgiving spirit, to let things go, to suffer ourselves to be defrauded. It ought to be because surely we've been forgiven much. Amen. The Lord requires that you and I love mercy. Do you? If you do, it'll be much easier to be merciful. To do justly and to love mercy and then finish, not a hard thing, to love and to walk humbly with thy God. Uh, I got looking at that walking with God thing and, and Enoch walked with God, Genesis 5 and, and Genesis 6, the Bible says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We're getting there. Verse 9 there in Genesis 6 said, Noah walked with God. And he's the only other person that the Bible says walked with God. But Adam, okay, look it up yourself. It ain't there. Amen. Uh, Noah walked with God just like great-grandpa Enoch did. And verse 10 said, Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I think they're all here tonight. And, uh, <laughs> amen. And, uh, I lost my place. No. And, uh, verse 11 said, And the earth also was corrupt before God, 
and the earth was filled with violence. In verse 5, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only even continually. At the end of verse 11, the earth was filled with violence. But still, Noah walked with God, regardless of how bad it was out there, regardless of what was, was going on. Noah raised children in spite of the world being corrupt. We use those things as excuses sometimes. If Noah walked with God then, if Noah raised a family then, uh, it's not unreasonable for the Lord to ask you and I to require it. If the, the Lord asked, it's not unreasonable for the Lord to require it of you and I now, is it? No. But remember, God wants you to walk with him humbly. Now, see, that throws a little wrench into it sometimes because the antithesis of humble is prideful and cocky, arrogant. The Bible word is haughty. In Proverbs 18 and verse 12 says, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. I've told a lot of preachers, I've told a lot of Christians, started making some progress in some ways. The Bible says before honor it's humility. You start learning, you start getting opportunities, and that stinking flesh will bow up, and that's your enemy. Before honor is humility. Amen? Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Faithful man to do what? Walk humbly with God. You know what? If you're walking humbly with God, you know what? Contentment's easy. Amen? Because you already know you're doing better than you deserve. All right? So we're talking about some things that the Lord required. And he made the case pretty good. He laid it out. He wants you to do good. Amen? He's got the right to require some things. And uh, it's not a difficult list. It's not a hard list. You should do justly. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Doesn't matter what other Christians are doing. We're Bible believers. And we've got a Bible that says we're not to compare ourselves to others. We're to line ourselves up with that book. And we're to do justly. And, uh, and so on and so on. We're to love mercy. And uh, that means you're not so quick to uh, send the hounds out when somebody owes you something. Sometimes you've got to learn. I, sometimes you need to learn to just let it go. But. Yeah, but what about you? You know that book says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, uh, what does it say, Lord? It says, uh, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And sometimes we struggle with that. But the verse finishes by saying, even as God for Christ's sake have forgiven you. Now, when you have a hard time letting something go, it's because you forgot. You've forgotten that it was your sin that nailed Jesus Christ to a cross. It was your sin that caused him to shed that blood up there. And it was you he was talking about when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Now, that's why we've got to have church every week. Because your flesh ain't going to remind you of that. That's why we've got to have meetings once in a while to just tune everything else out.
and remember who we are compared to him. And when we can get that thing lined up and get back a little closer, we can do something for him out of gratitude for what he did. Talking about what the Lord required, I got, I got one more verse for you. And I'll just read it. Luke 12, uh, in verse 20, But God said unto him, that's that rich guy that uh, uh, couldn't figure out what to do with all his stuff. Surely he was an American. <laughs> but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Let me tell you something. You're in here tonight, and you're not saved. One day, a payment for your sin is going to be required of you. Nobody gets out of it. No exception. It isn't based on what you believe, what you choose to believe, how you were raised. Those are not factors. I'm here to tell you the truth from the Word of God. There is a day in your future where a payment for your sin will be required of thee. And if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to take care of that for you, you're going to pay it with your own soul forever. And Jesus Christ went to the cross to make a way to escape. Amen. You come that day, the only thing that will matter is not what you accomplished or accumulated. It will be what you did with Jesus Christ. I'm glad you're here tonight, but uh, pretty sure a room this size, somebody in here is not saved. You need to get saved. God made it easy to get saved. God saved me. A 20-year drunk, dope head, amen, old street gang member, motorcycles, all that stuff. And he made it easy enough for me to get saved in a jail cell. All I had to do was be honest with myself and honest with him. And that still works. I knew I was a sinner. Amen? I, I mean, I worked hard at it. But most people I know are, know they're sinners. You may play the game in your head, well, compared to so-and-so, but you won't be. The Bible says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself. So it doesn't matter who, what influences were in your life. There would be nobody to blame. You're being given an opportunity right now to see the Lord Jesus Christ nailed to a cross. And from that cross, he looks down and says, Father, forgive them, forgive him, forgive her, for they know not what they do. Now, he said all that to give you a chance to do the right thing. And the right thing is to admit that you're a sinner and you know you are and God knows you are. And he's not asking you to turn over a new leaf or go straight. There's nothing you can do. But I'll tell you what, you can put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all of them. Praise the Lord. Like I said, I'm 70 years old. And I've uh, been around a little bit, both sides of the cross now. i never seen a better deal than that. <laughs> and if you ain't never got in on that, tonight could be your night. Now, we're not selling nothing. We're not trying to talk you into nothing, but we're trying to present forgiveness. It's so simple. Let's all stand. Now, there's not a lot of room up here. I see that.
But if you're in here and you're not saved, I'm going to just flat out be honest with you. I would encourage you to step out. Slip your hand up. Let one of us open a Bible. Show you how to get saved. If you're in here tonight and you know of somebody that's not saved, and this may be, uh, you know, they may feel like a fish out of water. But you know, you need to be praying for them right now. That today would be the day God would open their eyes and that they'd get this thing nailed down once and for all. There's many up here, and if you need to come, there's room. Let me ask this. Head bowed and eyes closed. If you're in here tonight, and you'd say, Brother Spurgeon, I listened to what you said. I've never, I've never made it real. I know who Jesus Christ is. I've known about all that all, my whole life, but I've never made it personal. I've never asked him to forgive my sin, save my soul. Would you be honest enough? If that's you tonight, lift your hand up, raise your hand, say, Brother Spurgeon, I've never done that. Would you pray for me? If you're down here at the altar, that's you. Just clip your hand up. Out there anywhere. All right. Tonight could be the greatest night of your life. All it requires is a little honesty. And it may feel awkward, but could I tell you, we're for you. And everybody in here has been where you are. And everybody in here is, is, would rejoice with you. Perhaps you'd just like to step out to the center aisle right now and let one of us open a Bible and show you. And I'm not asking you to come all the way down here. You obey the preacher. He's getting ready to get up. But this could be the day of your new birth. And you'll never regret it. With head bowed and eyes closed, except perhaps the hands that went up, if you're in here and you're saved, and uh, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I regret getting saved? And there ain't a one. And I've never seen one. And you'll never raise your hand either. Things still open a little bit. Some folks are praying. It's, it's good. It's good to be still. I want to say it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to admit when you're wrong. It takes a lot of courage to admit when you need something. And if you are one that just a little bit ago put your hand up and said, Yep, that's me. I'm not saved. I don't know where I'm going for eternity. Or maybe you do know, but you don't, you don't like the destination. <laughs> Let me just tell you, this, this room is filled with people that were at that point at one time. You, you might look at people around here and go, oh, they got their life together. First off, you don't know. We're all a mess. We're all a mess. We're just, we're God's mess to deal with, okay? But if you're here, and you're, you're grappling with that issue of what it means to be saved, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. 
in a little bit, we're going to want to pray and, and be dismissed. If you mean business about that, what I'm asking you to do is meet me over by this door right over here, going downstairs. Meet me over by this door, and we'll, we'll go downstairs, a little bit more private there, open up the Bible, answer any questions you've got, and I can show you from the Word of God. This isn't a gimmick. It's not a sales thing. It's not a, hey, now you got to join our church. It's none of that stuff. You're not going to get to heaven by joining our church. You won't get to heaven by getting baptized. Those are all great things to do, but they will not change the stain of sin on your soul. The only thing that does that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's like this huge blank check. I hear people, my generation and the one coming behind me, I thank the universe for this. The universe gave me whatever. Blah. What they want to say is God, but they don't have the guts to admit there is a creator. Okay? The, the truth is the creator of the universe became one of us. And he resisted every temptation that came his way. I can't say that. You can't say that. And he came out flawlessly. And so God goes, here's what I'll do for you. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you the choice. I can either be your judge or I can be your lawyer. I've never lost a case either way. If you want me to be your judge, I'll judge you. And you'll die and you'll go to hell. You want me to be your lawyer? You'll die and your soul will wake up in a place with no hospitals and no, uh, no prisons and no IRS. Say hallelujah there. And, and no sickness and no pain and no divorce and no hatred and no violence and just everything that makes this world the gross, vile place that it is. And you can have that for free. If that's you tonight and you want that, when we say amen, I'll be right at that door. I'll be waiting on you. And uh, the Lord, more importantly, the Lord's waiting on you. The Lord's waiting on you. Christians, I hope you got something from the Word of God tonight. I, I love that story in Matthew 18. <laughs> you know, kid, kids are kind of funny that way. You raise them. You give them food. You let them breathe the air in your house that you pay the mortgage for. Come on now. Right? And, and they're like, Mom, remember, like, I gave you five bucks three months ago because you didn't have cash to park the car. So can I have my five dollars? Like, what? Are you out of your mind? You owe me like 50 grand for this year. <laughs> Not the last 10, this year, right? And that's, that's how we are sometimes as Christians. Uh, God has forgiven me of everything. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something right now. I know grown men who won't sit in a church when a person's preaching because that preacher offended me one time. You know how much sin you, you've done to God, you've offended God with? And God says, I'll wash it all away. Yeah, learn to have some mercy and grace with each other. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this before we close. Not because I'm trying to elongate this because I didn't get to preach. I want to make that clear. But there's a difference between forgiveness, only listen carefully, and trust. Some of you have a real hard time forgiving people because you think that means you have to automatically trust them. Some people, you really, in your life, you got to be careful that you trust them. But you can forgive them. 
And I think the reason why some of you have such a hard time with forgiveness is you, you think, okay, to forgive them means I let them right here and have access to every. No, some people can't have that. I know some of you are maybe struggling with what I'm saying. I'm trying to help you. But, but you need to learn to forgive them whether they deserve your trust or not. Amen. You see? Be, because, God, listen, God forgives all of you. I'm going to tell you right now. God will not trust everyone in this room at the same level with everything. Amen. Some are more faithful than others. All right? You know what God does? He commits to those that are faithful, not to those that are unfaithful. So God may not trust everyone with the same thing, but he forgives all. Amen. You see? And you need to learn to do that. Amen. So I hope you got a, a full cut tonight. Uh, listen, be back tomorrow, 7 o'clock. The biggest challenge you're going to have is this. Every excuse is going to come up tomorrow. Sickness, uh, car issue, uh, kid bit the dog, dog bit the kid, <laughs> children bit the parents, parent bites, it bites the child. It just keeps going round and round. Uh, all kinds of issues, just determine. Listen, I was talking to someone the other day. You know, I told him, I said, here's what you have to learn to do in life. Take the non-negotiables off the table. Church is a non-negotiable. Doors are open. Unless I'm sick, I'm there. All right? So so learn to do that as a Christian. Your life will be more simple. There'll be less pressure. The less you have to decide, the the more easy life is. And if you just say, it's the doors are open, I'm there. Right? Be be here tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, all right? Uh, or if you're Richard, 710, right? All right, but just get here, just get here. I love you, buddy, I love you, all right? Uh, let, let's close in a word of prayer, and I'm gonna say this. Uh, if, if you are curious about salvation, I meant what I said, I'll be at that door and I hope to see you. All right, let's close out in a word of prayer tonight, and uh, preacher, thank you for what you brought. Appreciate it, really excited about tomorrow night. By the way, don't forget, Friday night, we're bringing some desserts here uh, to have some belly ship, I mean fellowship after church. All right. Uh, and uh, listen, listen, listen. If you're like, I don't want to bring sugar products. I want to bring like kale blended with lemongrass. Is lemongrass a thing? All right. Florence, is lemongrass a thing? Okay. All right. I asked the authority. All right. If, uh, Jennifer, where's Jennifer? Is she in here? Is she, oh, that's right. She's in DBC. All right. She would say amen there as well. All right. If you want to bring something that's organic and non-GMO and gluten-free and dairy-free and tasteless, <laughs> knock yourself out. All right. Bring it. Bring it. We'll, we'll have a good time with whatever you bring Friday night uh, after church. But bring enough for yourself, your family, and, and another family. If you do that, we'll have enough for everybody. All right. All right. Let's go ahead and close out in a word of prayer. Brother Eric Alcorn, I really appreciate you leading music tonight. Appreciate the thought you put into that every time we do this. Uh, Brother, if you close us out in a word of prayer.